This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's going on? Welcome into the Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sellerson here in Studio B filling in for Sean Kelly. Sean is on the road with the Pelicans getting ready for Pelicans and Knicks tonight. Hope you all had a great weekend and hope you all uh, survived the cold. And uh, me being here from the south uh, in Georgia, I am not a big fan of the cold. Even this, I know some people up north would take the 40 degrees any day, but not me. I stayed inside most of the time, but was able to watch some football and relax and hope you all did the same. Supposed to get warmer uh, this week here in New Orleans, so we'll enjoy that weather. That's for sure. Uh, big weekend as far as the NFL playoff picture. All home teams win uh, this weekend. Seattle beats Detroit. Houston beats Oakland. Pittsburgh beats uh, the Miami Dolphins in Green Bay with a big win over the New York Giants. A lot of blowouts this weekend. I thought we'd have some better games. I know Houston and Oakland was a little tough to watch with Connor Cook at quarterback for Oakland. Just feel so bad for the Raiders. They finally get to the playoffs. It's been so long. And then you have a third-string quarterback in there that is basically playing in his first playoff game or first start in his NFL career. So, Tough to see that. And then uh, Seattle and Detroit was never uh, – it was close for a little bit, but not too much. Pittsburgh was all over Miami yesterday. And then it, it looked rather shaky for Green Bay early, but then that big Hail Mary by Aaron Rodgers at the end of the first half kind of turned the momentum into the second half, and then it was all Green Bay from there. And that should uh, make for some great divisional matchups, one of the best weekends of the year for NFL football. You're down to eight teams, four in each conference. So the Patriots will take on the Houston Texans. The Atlanta Falcons will host the Seattle Seahawks. The Green Bay Packers will uh, go to Dallas. That should be a very interesting game. And the Pittsburgh Steelers head to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. So we'll try to get you some playoff previews uh, before the week ends. And also tonight is the national championship in college football. The number one team in the nation, Alabama Crimson Tide, looks to defend their crown in a rematch against the number two-seeded Clemson Tigers so that will be uh, at Raymond James Stadium there in Tampa uh, looking forward to that game as well tonight so uh, lots of football uh, this weekend and tonight and then uh, we'll kick it up a notch with the NFL divisional round starting on Saturday of course it's also a Pelicans game day with the one of three teams the one of three games tonight in the NBA and the Pelicans started their five game road trip on Saturday against the Celtics uh, did not win that one it was uh a good start for New Orleans, having a double-digit lead in the first half, but unfortunately could not stop Isaiah Thomas and Marcus Smart, who combined for 10 three-pointers on the night. Too much of them, and the Pelicans fell in Boston in uh, game one of their five-game East Coast road swing. Now they'll take on the New York Knicks tonight at 6.30, and then it's two days off in New York, and then they'll take on the Brooklyn Nets on Thursday. Bulls on Saturday, and they'll round out on Martin Luther King Jr. Day Monday in Indianapolis against the Pacers. So we'll hear from uh, Chris Herring today. He's a NBA reporter for 538. It's 538.com, also an ESPN True Hoop reporter. Used to cover the Knicks uh, for Wall Street Journal. We'll get his perspective on the Knicks and also the Pelicans as uh, they're still fighting for that eighth spot in the West. Only one and a half games back now of the Portland Trailblazers. So yes, with a 14-24 and 24 record, Pelicans very much in the playoff race. Also, the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame is uh, approaching as far as votes. They'll get it down to 10 uh, the night before the Super Bowl in Houston. We'll have Clark Judge on from talkoffamenetwork.com. He's a writer and a host and a 
few days ago, he wrote a great article about making the case for Bourne Anderson, obviously former Saints kicker and Falcons kicker and Vikings kicker and lots more. And uh, he's also the NFL all-time leading scorer, which is primarily Clark's case uh, with Anderson making the Hall of Fame. This He thinks it's a make-or-break year, so we'll talk, talk to Mr. Judge about why Morton Anderson should make the Hall of Fame and the process that goes along with that. So we have some NFL to talk about today. We have some NBA to talk about. And let's get started with Chris Herring next, followed by Clark Judge. Win the night for the entire family with a Pierre's Party Pack. Ticket packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include three or more tickets, combo meals, and an encore free throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $48. The next Pierre's Party Pack night is Friday, January 20th against the Brooklyn Nets. For more information and to plan your next winning night out with the gang, visit pelicans.com today. Are you ready for a new challenge? Set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with over 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce cup, and sip your way to your goal weight. With flavors like pineapple mango, strawberry blueberry, dark chocolate banana, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goal. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Take the challenge as part of a low-calorie diet and daily exercise program. Weight loss depends on individual needs. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Let's start the week with some basketball talk. The Pelicans take on the New York Knicks tonight in New York City. Joining me now is someone who used to cover the Knicks for the Wall Street Journal, but now Chris Herring is a national NBA reporter for 538 and ESPN's True Hoop Network. Chris, it's a pleasure to have you on today. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. No problem. Chris, let's uh, start with those Knicks. Uh, they have lost seven of their last eight games and would be out of the playoffs if the season ended today with a record of 17-20. and 20. Can you wrap your arms around what is going on with New York right now? I mean, their their defense is awful. And um, <laughs> it's not the, the most crazy thought in the world. I think they've, they've had a, a defense that's been in the lower half of the league uh, 13 out of the last 15 years now. And I think uh, – in the bottom 10 of the league, something like 11 out of those 15 years since Jeff Van Gundy resigned. So it's not a terrible surprise about that. Um, and it, it, it tells you how important it is for them to really put up points because even when they win, a lot of times they're not, they're not necessarily defending all that well. Um, they, they do have some guys that are capable of doing it, but some of these people are older now. You've got Joe Kim Noah who's out there. You've had other guys that Nixon bruises. Courtney Lee hasn't been able to play and he's one of their better defenders and, Carmelo Anthony is, is getting up there in age as well and has never really been a guy who's known for his defense, obviously. Um, and they've relied quite a bit on Chris Depp's Porzingis protecting the rim, and he hasn't been totally healthy the last few games either um, or able to play even in a lot of the last few games. So they, they, they had a, a better start than I think a lot of people expected, especially when you look at their early season schedule. Uh, they, they overperformed probably a little bit and were doing really well offensively. We were, we're close to a top-10 team on offense for those first few weeks. Um, and so a, a bit of a regression is not that surprising. And I think for them to be kind of on the outside looking in from the playoff standpoint is where a lot of people expected them to be in the first place. That's where I was going to go with my next question about expectations where this team, were they too high maybe as far as them making the playoffs this year? Or is like you mentioned, this kind of where you thought they might be uh, about halfway through the season? I mean, I think their high watermark all along was probably 
mid 40s in terms of wins. I, I, I pegged them right around 42, which was high. Um, you know, by most people's standards, most of the analysts around the league thought that they were probably like a high 30 win team, mid 30 win team. Um, and, you know, I think the question for a lot of people was, would they stay healthy? Um, they, they obviously went out on a limb and, and traded a couple of guys that were in their rotation for Derrick Rose, uh, Robin Lopez being one of them and Jaron Grant being the other. So not necessarily world beaters, but guys that um, one and, and Jaron Grant, who was a first round pick of theirs basically a year ago. And then Robin Lopez had been their most consistent starter last year. He'd really learned the triangle offense, um, was a relatively solid defensive option at center, played pretty well alongside Chris Depp's Porzingis and made life easier for him. And so it was a, a calculated risk to do that, to trade for someone who, you know, had his best year five years ago when he won the MVP award and hasn't been able to stay on the court all the time. You know, Rose has been relatively healthy, uh, but he's not good defensively. He, he doesn't guard screen and rolls very well. He kind of dies on screen when he gets uh, screened off at the top of the key. And Joakim Noah being the other guy that they took a risk with, giving him a, a pretty long-term deal with four years fully guaranteed at $72 million. And he, he's been okay. He's been getting better lately. But he, he had a really rough start to the season where Jeff Hornacek was kind of openly considering the idea of bringing him off the bench, which would be a really, really big kind of acknowledgement and you know something that I think would have been an embarrassment for Phil Jackson considering the kind of deal they just signed him to. So the defense, you know, Noah doesn't move quite as well as he used to. It took him a while to get started because he missed most of the preseason. And the other guys on, on their roster, and you look guys like Carmelo and some of the backup bigs that they have, are just not defense-minded, defensively-minded players. And, and so I think you see a lot of those challenges come out. But they can score, you know, especially when they all have it going. They can really score. But I, I just don't know that it's a team that's consistent enough on defense to where they're going to be able to make the playoffs. It'll be close. We'll see. Let's talk about uh, Derrick Rose and Noah's former team, the Chicago Bulls. You're based in Chicago now, so I'm sure you've seen a lot of Bulls games this season. Uh, they're dealing with the Rajon Rondo issue, but him being benched. You have Dwayne Wade. You have Jimmy Butler. Um, are the Bulls where you thought they would be halfway through the season, hovering around that 500 mark? Yeah. You know, the, the, I thought the most interesting question about those two teams, because they swung that Derrick Rose trade, was which of the two teams was going to be better this year? Because I thought both had some problems. I I felt a little bit more optimistic about the Knicks than I did the Bulls just because um, the Knicks, at least, you know, at full capacity, if guys really all had it going, looked like they could, you know, it, like a, if you had this roster, this Knicks roster five years ago, um, when Rose was an MVP candidate, you know, Carmelo Anthony, you, you would have had three guys that had all finished within the top five of the MVP voting in like a three-year span. But the truth is, you know, none of those guys are in their primes anymore. Obviously not Noah, obviously not Rose, and obviously not Carmelo. Mm -hmm. And and so that's kind of the issue is you're you're not playing the long game anymore, whereas last year with Chris Porzingis and some of the other guys, Jaron Grant, you could kind of make that argument, like Galloway being one of those guys as well. And so that that kind of was the issue. And, and so the, the Bulls have played slightly better. I think they've gotten so much superstar play out of Jimmy Butler, that that's kind of the rationale as to why they've been slightly better. They're basically the same. Um, the Bulls have had all sorts of problems shooting the ball. They, they kind of did exactly like the Knicks did at the very beginning of the season. They fooled us all and played really, really well kind of over their heads for the first few games. Uh, the Bulls were actually one of the two or three best shooting teams in the league for the first three or four games of the season, and they've regressed past the mean. You know, I think they a lot of us figured they would be the worst shooting team in the NBA just based on the fact that they had three or four point guards and two or three shooting guards that all shot 
under 30% for their career from three-point range. And it's just kind of going really hard against the grain in a league that everyone can shoot now. And um, and so that, that has come into play. Their defense has been okay, but they've kind of subsisted so far on offensive rebounds and doing the dirty work because it's a team that, that is more physical and, you know, and, and doesn't rely as much on finesse and shooting. And so they've relied so much on getting to the line and so much on Jimmy Butler's greatness so far that um, it, it works and it might get them into the playoffs, but it's really, really um, concentrated around one or two guys, which is always kind of dangerous, especially with a team that's got as many injury problems as the Bulls have had. No doubt about that. The Pelicans are another team that's had injury issues. Uh, the Pelicans will play the Bulls yep. and the Knicks on this road trip. Uh, I want to get your take on the Pelicans, who are 14-24, and 24, but surprisingly are still very much in the playoff hunt, just a, one and a half games yep. back in the West. What do you make of the Pelicans in the season that Anthony Davis is having so far? Davis has been incredible. I mean, I, I, they actually were the first, very first team I wrote about this new job. And at first it was kind of frustrating to watch them because um, you did have Tim Frazier playing pretty well at the beginning of the season, but aside from that, um, it was so much of Davis kind of doing it by himself. Um, right at the beginning of the season, the Pelicans were one of the worst teams shooting the ball. Buddy Heald really, really struggled both in preseason and then the start this year. So it's been nice to see him playing better of late. Um, Drew Holiday obviously was a big, big boost for them, getting him back and, and able to play. Um and, and Langston Galley, obviously, from the Knicks, uh, has, has been playing a lot better of late as well, too. And so you, you knew they weren't going to be quite as bad as what they showed at the beginning of the season when they lost their first eight games. Um, and, and that stuff will turn around for them. And it's been good to see. I'm not quite sure if it'll be enough to make the playoffs, but it's hard to tell. The West is so um, kind of uncompetitive this year after you get past those first seven spots. Someone is going to get the eighth seed without having a winning record more than likely. Um, and, you know, the Pelicans, they, they played one of the tougher schedules in the league. I think they're number three in terms of strength of schedule this year, so they do have a little bit of an easier road coming up. Um, you know, they've played much, much better at home. They're basically a 500 team at home and, and really far under that when you look at their road slate. So they've got a lot of road games coming up. But they're going to have a chance, um, you know, them. And you've got the Kings there. You've got the Blazers there. And so all these teams are kind of right there in the thick of it. But uh, it's going to be a little bit of a bloodbath considering what's coming uh, you know, the, the one seed that's going to be there in the Warriors. But it would be good to see the Pelicans get back there um, after how much promise they showed a couple years ago in the playoffs. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, are you surprised with how down the bottom of the Western Conference is? You mentioned those teams like the Blazers, the Nuggets, the Kings are battling for a playoff spot. And I think feels like for the first time in a while, I know the Rockets barely got in last year with a 500 record. But it doesn't seem like the West usually has a team under 500 making the playoffs. Are you surprised by the bottom of the West right now and how down it is? A little. I mean, if I had guessed, I probably would have figured that the East was more likely to be that conference than, than the West. But when you when you really consider it, it's not that surprising just because you've got so many teams at the top of the league between Cleveland and Golden State that, you know, them being at the top is not a surprise. And the Spurs, obviously, they're going to win 70, 75 percent of the games, if not more. And so you're going to have some teams that, you know, are slightly under 500 because of that. But also the fact that I think you've got some teams that are a little bit more balanced in the East that aren't star-laden teams but do have um, better, maybe better top-end talent, um, you know, where the Bulls, for instance, have two or three guys that, you know, that a lot of players, a lot of teams would like to have, at least Butler and Wade and stuff like that. And the Knicks have a few guys like that too. And so they're not necessarily contenders in, in the sense of winning a title, but, you know, enough to keep them in the playoff hunt, enough to keep them right around 500 that annoys their fans but also – keeps them in the, the playoff race just not good enough to really make noise in the playoffs but not bad enough to, to fall the way out of the race so 
that's kind of the difference. I think you have more teams like that in the East, but um, all things considered, I think the Western Conference is much stronger than the East at the top. Should be an interesting second half of the season, that's for sure. That's Chris Herring from 538 and ESPN's True Hoop Network. You can follow Chris at Herring underscore NBA. Chris, appreciate the time and hope to talk to you again down the road. Thank you so much. You guys take care. All right, we'll be back in just a few moments. Hey, New Orleans. The world's biggest party just got even bigger because NBA All-Star 2017 is coming to the Big Easy. You know about the big game on Sunday, but there's a whole weekend of fun. Starting Friday night, come check out the BBVA Compass Rising Stars Challenge and the Celebrity Game. Then the D-League All-Star Game on Saturday. Even watch the best athletes in the world get ready at All-Star Practice. Tickets start at just $10. Don't miss out. Visit NBATickets.com now. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Hi, it's Mark Romig. When I'm not announcing, it's good, I'm listening to the Black and Blue Report. Time now to turn our attention to football and the Hall of Fame. This year's nominees have been narrowed down to 15 finalists, including former Saints kicker Morton Anderson. Joining me now to talk about Morton's chances of making the Hall is Clark Judge, writer and host of TalkOfFameNetwork.com. Clark wrote an article about Morton's case for making the Hall. Clark, glad to have you on, my friend. My pleasure. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you as well. Clark Morton is a finalist for the fourth consecutive year trying to make the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You wrote about it just a few days ago. Since he obviously hasn't made it yet, why do you think this year could be the year? Well, because this year there's really no clear-cut favorite other than LaDainian Tomlinson and probably Kurt Warner. Uh, Kurt Warner has been a finalist for his two years of eligibility, but not just a finalist, a top-ten finalist, and typically – those are the guys in the on-deck circle. They're on the ready list, ready to move forward the next year. I think without knowing what the vote tabulation was last year, we never see it, I would bet he was the sixth leading vote-getter, which means he's the next one from the uh, people who have been left over to go in. Well, Dana Tomlinson's the first-year eligible guy. He's the most qualified. So I think they're the first two guys you'd put in. Then it's wide open as opposed to past years. Usually we have a queue of candidates waiting We've got guys waiting, but not who've been waiting for a long period of time. And here's Morton Anderson, who's the all-time leading scorer for the NFL, the all-time leading scorer for the Falcons and the Saints, and not just a single all-decade um, uh, candidate and, and recipient. He was all-decade and two decades. Yeah. So he was the best position for 20 years. So I don't know of any other Hall of Fame, pro sports Hall of Fame, that's worth its salt that doesn't have its leading scorer, all-time leading scorer. And, and I think that's why this may be the year that, that he could sneak in there because there's going to be a wild card. There may be two that come out of nowhere. And I thought of all the years, this may be it because if you look at the list for 2018, it's loaded. I mean, you've got Ray Lewis, Brian Urlacher, Randy Moss, Steve Hutchinson. You go down the list, uh, Rondé Barber. There's so many guys. They're going to push the specialists out, and that's the downside here. The downside is, for whatever reason, the Pro Football Hall of Fame Board of Selectors is blind 
to specialists. We have two in 53 years. One kicker, Jan Stenerud, and one punter, Ray Guy, and it took Ray Guy nearly 30 years to get in. So the, the odds aren't good. I mean, Morton Anderson has never been a top 10 guy. He's always been a top 15. He gets tossed at 10. We go from 15 to 10 to, 10 to 5. And when we go to 10, from 15 to 10, he's been tossed every year. That's not a good sign. But I just think in that room this year, there's going to be an argument that this is the time to do it. You've got a chance. It's wide open. Um, there's going to be a rush of all sorts of um, position players in the future here, and there's going to be a ton of them, some of whom are going to be waiting many years. You've got a chance now to get the thing right, and, and I hope this is the right time. You mentioned him being the leading scorer uh, in, in, in NFL history um, with two different teams and just in general. So why hasn't he made it? Is it just the fact that he's a kicker that the all-time leading scorer is that's not in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, there are people in there, and they may or may not acknowledge it, but they just don't believe specialists should be in the Hall of Fame. And my point is, that's the way you believe. And that's, let's find a sport uh, without him. Let's find a, a, a football game without specialists, without punters, without kickers. Every, every bit a part of the game is we continue to see each year how important they are to uh, football teams. And to me, the compelling argument from Morton Anderson and the other argument against it is that he kicked indoors most of his career. You know, he kicked indoors most of his career. We don't want to put him in because of ideal conditions. I don't care. I don't care about any of that. He's the all-time leading scorer, and we're probably going to put in Adam Vinatieri when he becomes eligible in whatever, eight, ten years, whatever. We're probably going to put him in. Well, he's kicked over half of his career indoors, too. And you look at his percentage, his uh, accuracy, it's, um, he's like 84.5%. He's like five percentage points higher than Morton Anderson. That's negligible in my mind, but that's not a factor either because we have Jan Stenner in there. He's the 100th-ranked kicker in terms of field goal accuracy. Different time. Morton Anderson's the 51st. They'll use that against him too. My point is I don't care about any of that stuff, guys. He's the all-time leading scorer. He's the greatest scorer in the history of this league. How can we possibly leave him out? How can we? And, and the answer is, in my mind, you can't. You yep. can't leave him out. I mean, Vinatieri is, I think, like 150 points behind him. So, I, I, you know, as I said, I'm not optimistic it's going to happen, but there's going to be an impassioned plea this year on behalf of Martin Anderson. Is a lot of it also with the case that, you know, you're always going to pick the position players ahead of these guys? Like if someone pops up in this mm -hmm. year's yep. ballot, that's going to be, hey, well, we're going to put this guy over Martin Anderson just because, you know, they value the running backs, the quarterbacks, any player over the kickers. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right about that. And they're going to say, you know, kickers, Dima does, and what made him different than anyone else? And I'd say, what made him different is because he had such a strong leg. I mean, he gave coaches the confidence to kick 50 yarders. He was the first really big leg kicker that came along. And he had three 50 yard field goals in one game, which set a record. And there have been six guys since then who tied it. But for that time, it was an anomaly. And then he kicked a 60 yarder, which at that time, of course, was second best to Tom Dempsey, 63. But, um, he was a different guy. And, and, you know, his most accurate year, 25 of 28, his last year in the sport. He was 47 years old. I mean, there's so many compelling arguments. But to me, the bottom line is he's the all-time leading scorer. You can't do that. You can't leave that guy out of any sport. Baseball he's in. Hockey he's in. Pro basketball he's in. How do we do that with this guy? How do we do that? And, and my point is, yeah, you've got a Terrell Davis waiting. You've got a John Lynch waiting. They were in the on-deck circle last year, too. They were anywhere from 6 to 10. Um, you've got them waiting. Um, you've got uh, Don Coriolis waited a long time, too, who was in the, the, the top 10. And also Joe Jacoby. I mean, Joe Jacoby's waited a long time. I do think Jacoby may get in this year. But with, with Morton, to me, you go, if he doesn't make it this year, 
I'm not sure he's ever coming back I, I, unless he goes to the senior pile, which would be years from now. And then you get buried amid just really scads and, and too many well-qualified players. It's sort of the land of forgotten Tories. But uh, I really hope something happens this year. I'm not optimistic because of the position. And people in there might be saying, you know what? I think Vinatieri is better. I'll wait till Vinatieri comes along. I don't want to hear that argument. We, we ought to do this right now. I'm glad you mentioned Adam Vinatieri, who I was going to talk about um, in this uh, segment here. Um, is this hurt his chances as far as him making it, or is, is no? Does Adam? No, I, I don't. Does think it, it take? I him? don't think it has any impact. I mean, if he goes in, if Anderson goes in, I think there's a consensus in that room right now. At some point, Adam Vinatieri is going in, and I've heard somebody say this, which I think is probably a valid point. You think of signature plays or signature kicks. And with Vinatieri, he has signature kicks in the Super Bowl. Also, certainly that kick against Oakland in the snow in overtime when he was playing for New England. People think about that and they go, that might have been one of the greatest kicks, if not the greatest kicks ever. Well, certainly was one of them. And they think about that with Vinatieri. And when Morton Anderson, a guy said to me, what's the signature kick? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can't think of it. But again, I go, I, I'm not sure I really care because all he did was pile up a ton of points. Very accurate kicker. He was called Mr. Automatic for a reason mm-hmm. um, and had such a strong leg. He tried field goals that others wouldn't. And he gave confidence to coaches to try those and then pave the way for others to come along. So um, I, I don't think it has any impact on Vinatieri's candidacy because I do think in the minds of people in that room, sooner or later they're going, we're going to put Adam Vinatieri in. Will, it, will Adam have to wait as long as Morton's been waiting? Good question. I, 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 um, I hope not. I mean, Morton hasn't waited that long. But as I said, I do think that if it, nothing happens this year, I think this is the opportunity for those long shots to get in. My feeling would be if it doesn't happen this year, it, it probably is not going to because, as I said, again, you start looking at the people coming along. We're talking about position players, and clearly there is a bias in that room and a heavy bias towards position players. And you understand it because – um, quarterbacks are, are, are going, you know, 60, 70 plays, whatever, 50, 60, 70 plays a game. Um, they're out there all the time. Kickers, punters are out there. What, you know, kicker maybe three times, four times to try field goals. Uh, punters five, six times a game. I understand that. That doesn't matter. They're important positions. If you're the best at your position, why shouldn't you be recognized for it? And if you're the best at your position for two decades, how can we possibly keep you out of there? But I will tell you this. There's only one player on the 75th anniversary team, Hall of Fame 75th anniversary team, who's not in the Hall of Fame. That's Billy White Shoes Johnson. He was a returner, a specialist. He also is all decade, not for one decade, but for two. And the only other guy who was not on, uh, who's in the Hall of Fame, wasn't in the Hall of Fame, who was on that list, was Ray Guy. And he sat there for years. We finally got him in. But there's only one player on that 75th anniversary team who's not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And that's a return specialist. It gives you an idea as to what that room's thinking. You go, God, we put him on the 75th anniversary team. He was the best at his position for 75 years. We can't get him in. Well, we can't get Steve Tasker in. We can't get Brian Mitchell in. It doesn't make any difference. That, that There's a bias against that. I hope we can overcome that with Morton Anderson this year. Let's hope so. And uh, before I let you go, when do they uh, narrow down the 10? When's the next kind of cutoff? Oh, no, wait, we, we have the 15 finalists now. We take those 15 to Houston with us, and we sit in the room um, the day before the Super Bowl, generally going there. I'd say this year is probably 7 o'clock since we're in Central Time, probably go 7 o'clock, um, and start the voting all day there. We cut it in the room that day from 15 to 10, take a break, come back, listen to arguments, go from 10 to 5, and then 
they'll see if those five have 80% of the vote, which generally they do have. But uh, it's all done. These finalists now are going to Houston. It's all done the day before the Super Bowl. So um, that's a big day for everyone. I think Jeff Duncan probably from the Times-Picayune will be presenting um, uh, Morton to the, the uh, group there. And it may be the Atlanta member, uh, D. Orlando Ledbetter, also presents him. Uh, they did last year. I think they both make arguments in his behalf. But um, I will tell you, and I will tell them as well, when you're doing that and you're bringing somebody back who hasn't made to the top ten, you got to come up with something fresh and something different. And I hope they do, and I trust they do, because they do great jobs. But um, there's a group of people in that room now who are saying, well, I'll help you with this, because we think it's very important now to get this thing done. I really do hope it happens. As I said, I'm, I'm not encouraged or optimistic, because I know how that, op- that room operates. But at the same time, um, the, the timing's just right. Yeah, let's hope so. And we're rooting for him here in New Orleans, that's for sure. And great insight uh, from Clark Judge, talkoffamenetwork.com, writer and host. And go check out all of his articles, including the one making the case for Morn Anderson to enter the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Clark, thanks for the time this morning. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. I'll wrap things up next. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes, cancer patients come who were told they were out of options. But Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Follow us on Twitter at Black Blue Report. All right, time to wrap things up here from Studio B. Big thanks to Clark Judge, talkoffamenetwork.com, and Chris Herring, 538.com. As the Pelicans will take on the New York Knicks tonight, 6.30 Central Time. You can hear Pelicans warm up at 6 o'clock. Sean Kelly will have the call on 99.5 WRNO and the Pelicans Radio Network. And, of course, Joel, Myler, Joel Myers, David Wesley, and Jen Hale will have the call on Fox Sports New Orleans. On tomorrow's show, we'll hopefully be recapping a Pelicans win with Jim Mikanoff for Pelicans.com, and we'll hear some uh, post-game interviews from that game as well. 
Thank you very much for listening. Hope this Monday finds you well. Hope you thaw out a little bit as the uh, temperature gets into the 60s, I believe, for today. And then we'll talk to you again tomorrow on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report. Until tomorrow, I'm Daniel Salerson. Have a great rest of your Monday. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.